Those of you watching us by live stream, we're very grateful. And those of you that are here, we're very honored to have you as well. If you would do us a favor and share the stream, if you have social media, that would do us a great honor because other people need some good news that they can use. So uh, since the beginning of the year, I've been praying for you all and trying to ask the Lord what he wants to say, which is always a good thing. It's not, it doesn't matter what I want to say. It matters what Jesus wants to say. Isn't that the issue? The Bible says, they that have a hear, ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's like, what is the Lord wanting to say? That's the issue. And so since the beginning of the year, I felt like the Lord has wanted an infusion of hope into your lives. And that's been really the message from the very beginning of the year is that it's been a hopeless couple of years, hasn't it? Right? No? 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 no, no it's, been, it's been a little rough on a lot of different things. There's been good in there. If you find Jesus, there's always good. God turns it around. And even now, if you look outwardly, there's not a lot of good news around, but Jesus has always got good news. And you don't have to fear, Christian, because you can prosper when others do not, because you're not common. You're... You're not common. The Bible says, do not fear the sudden disaster that overtakes the wicked. Because you're not the wicked. You're in Christ. And God says, don't fear what happens to them. Because I'm with you. The, God's not with the whole world. I don't know if you're aware of that. He's with his people. Doesn't mean he doesn't send rain upon them and create provision for them. But God makes a covenant obligation to his people. He binds himself to you. Do you understand that? He is bound unto you. Because he could swear by another, no other, he swears by himself. He makes an oath that he's going to take care of you. He makes an oath that he's going to shelter you through the storm. He makes an oath that you'll pass through the fire, but you will not be burned. He makes an oath that the waters may be surrounding you, but they will not overtake you. That promise is to his people. That promise is not to everyone. That promise is to his people. You might freak out and it might look like the ship's going down. But when you get to the other side, you're like, wow, I didn't go down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, because God sustains you. Even if you're faithless, he's faithful. Even if you freak out in fear, it's all going to end. The sky is falling. It's over. Even if you're freaking out in faithlessness, the Lord will be faithful. He will provide for you. He will care for you. Everybody say this, put faith on it. A thing the Lord's telling me, it says nothing to do with my notes, is I feel like that God has been telling me to summon my people to faith. In which it's yes, come on. Do you know what's vacant in the church these days? It's faith. Ugh. Faith. We're so tepid. We're so like, whatever, you know. We're just, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Faith is the transforming power given to the believer. Faith is the currency of heaven, not need, faith. And it's interesting that God's been asking for a message of hope because hope is the foundation of faith. Yeah. The evidence of things hoped for, the Bible says, faith grows from hope. When you have hope, you can have faith. If you don't have hope, yeah, you almost have no faith. When you feel like you don't have faith, find hope. And where do I find hope? The Bible says Jesus Christ is our hope. <laughs> It may feel hopeless. Say it with me. It may feel hopeless. Come on. Do a little therapy here this morning. You're going to walk out of here better than you came in. All right? It may feel hopeless. Come on. It may feel hopeless. It may look hopeless. But Jesus is hopeful. He is full of hope. That's right. 
Why did you not? Why do you doubt? God is capable, He's able, and He's willing. Invite Him into your circumstances. The Bible's all about fresh start. We're going to talk about fresh start. If anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everybody say, Behold. Behold. All things have become new. Behold. When you come to Jesus, you become someone that never existed before. Jesus doesn't remodel the old. He makes you brand new. Amen. You are a brand new person. That's why when you come into the Spirit, when you worship God in the Spirit, this is, this is really the evidence of these things being true. These things are real. These things aren't poems. These things are truths. When you worship and you begin to enter into the Holy Spirit, you become a person that you were never before. Right? When you're in the Spirit, you're somebody entirely different. That's the new you. That's why when you're out of the spirit, that's the old you, right? The old you's got to fight to do what's right. The new you doesn't have to fight to do what's right. That's why the Bible says, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the selfish desires of the flesh. Because if you're in the spirit, you don't really have any selfish desires, right? You're like, this is all cool, right? You're as chill as they come. But when you're not in a spirit, even as a Christian, you freak out. And you're trying to maintain something, trying to hold something together, trying to force something to happen. It's the story of the Galatian church. Paul says, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, who has seduced you into thinking this to be something that it's not? Having begun in the spirit, do you now believe you can fulfill this in the flesh? This is the church of the modern culture. Abandon the Holy Spirit. We, pay, we only pay nods to him. We think we can achieve this gospel. We think we can achieve purposes through human effort or through human wisdom, or through Ferraris on the stage, and you know, pastors rappelling down from the ceiling. Ooh, ah, that's great. I love it, entertainment value. Entertain me, I like it every now and then, but it doesn't produce the substance that I need. At the end of the day, I don't need an entertainment, I need a substance, I need a faith that has a substance that overcomes. If your faith cannot overcome, then there's, something, there's an issue within your faith. If your theology cannot overcome what's in front of you, there's a problem with your theology. And you need to change. There needs to be a transformation. God has given you overcoming power. You have it. Paul told the Corinthian church, when I came to you, I didn't speak to you in cunning words, but I brought demonstration in power. Yeah. He rebuked that church for having abandoned demonstration in power, not just teaching, but they were listening to all these eloquent teachers who could bedazzle them with their words. Eloquence of speech, right? Cool hair large Instagram accounts. No, it's true. There's a correction upon that church for doing just that. He's saying you're moving away. And what he's basically saying is if your church cannot manifest power, it's not a church you should be going to. It's demonstration of power. In other words, what does that mean? Is it not just the laying on of hands? It's not just the prophetic word. It's a power that resonates through you that overcomes what's coming against you. Is this church helping you manifest the power of the kingdom that you carry in order to overcome what comes against you? Is it? That's the issue. That's what we're called to be. We're new, we're new creations. We're brand new people. Lamentations. <laughs> a message of hope from the, from the book of Lamenting. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. They never come to an end. You say, man, I've, I've done too much, man. God's got mercies for you every morning. If you're not a Christian and you want a mulligan, you want a do-over, you come to Christ and all things become new. If you're a Christian and you're like, man, I blew it today, don't worry, he's got mercy for you tomorrow. And if you really want to get down on it, he's got, moment, he's got mercies for you moment by moment. You can start over. Fresh start all the time. 
You carry resurrection and renewal power. You yourself are an agent of renewal. You yourself are an agent of recovery. You have a power to bring things back from the dead. If the same spirit dwells in the same spirit that raised Christ from the dear spirit, dead right, dwells in you, he will make alive your mortal body. The Christian just doesn't carry power. We carry resurrection power. We carry the power that raised Jesus from the dead. We can bring life. We can bring hope. We can bring resurrection. Man. So here's the journey. Here's the journey of mankind, right? And ultimately, if you come to Jesus, it becomes your journey. This is where fresh start has to happen. And why is this important? Because most of us get stuck somewhere in the middle of these journeys. We're stuck in the middle, right? We must be, so the journey is, is for man to come to Christ and become born again. It's called salvation, right? So from salvation, the Christian is to move to something called sanctification. And from sanctification, the Christian is to move to something called elevation, right? So what is salvation? You become born again. You, you leave, you, you're giving your life to Christ, you surrender to his lordship. Sanctification means you begin to align your life with, your, with his kingdom. It's called di discipleship, it's discipline. To be a disciple means you're a learner under discipline. It means the things that you learn, you apply to your life. That's, that's what it really means to be a disciple. And that's why in a culture such as ours, in the modern American culture, Jesus has a lot of fans, but incredibly small amount of disciples. Very small. There are a lot of fans. We fill stadiums with his fans, but very few that actually take what he, do, what he says and begin to live it. Very few that actually take what he says and begin to bring it into their lives. That's what's called discipleship. It's sanctification. So there's a lot of Christians, and so there's, the, mankind is stuck outside of the kingdom because they don't become born again. When they become born again, they come unstuck from a former life. They're loose from the chains that held them in that former life. They're loose from sin. They're loose from condemnation. They're loosed from that and are brought into a new life. But Christians get stuck at this level of born again. They just want the gumballs and the fish tanks and the vibrating chairs and you know, the Ferraris and the repelling thing. It's, it's, it, we, we, we can never get off the milk and go to the next place. And so they're stuck at born again, and they've never reached this level of sanctification. Sanctification simply means to be set apart, where your life is no longer lived the way it used to be. I'm not talking about a morality. It's, more, it's way more than morality. Yes, don't smoke, drink, or chew, or hang out with those that do. It's a lot about, it is parts of it are external moralities, but the bigger part of it is a heart alignment, a willful heart that says, I will not compromise. Jesus is my all in all. No matter what the world says, I'm not going there. No matter what the world does, I'm not going there. I'm not part of a culture within this culture. I'm, I'm not part of a church culture. I'm part of a kingdom culture. And I will live my life in and from the kingdom culture. That's what it's really all about. That's sanctification. Looking at your life and setting your life. What does the Bible say about my money? Okay, I need to align that. I'll give you one. What does the Bible say about my body? <gasps> Stay out of my body, pastor. What does the Bible say about my sexuality? <gasps> Let's be truthful. Churches neuter on this subject. Won't even say anything. We wonder why we're not sanctified. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God says. You're not God. If you're a Christian, you are submitted 
The Bible says your body doesn't belong to you. You are bought with a price. And the sooner you understand the idea of his lordship, the sooner things are going to change for you. You're not Lord. This is why Christianity becomes dysfunctional for so many people. It's dysfunctional. They're born again. Jesus has saved you spiritually, but your life continues to be a train wreck because you will not align it with his purposes. You still think you got the good ideas. You still think it's okay to do whatever the culture says. And you know what you are? You're free to do so. You're free to think like the culture, Christian. The Bible has a word for you. It's called carnal Christians. Yeah? Paul rebuked corrected him in, Rome, in the book of Romans. He says, when you continue to do the things that the culture does, and you see no problem with that, are you not carnal? He didn't say you're not a Christian. He just said, you're a Christian that can't get past their own carnality. You don't understand the transition that needs to happen. He says the same thing in the book of Corinthians. He's correcting a church in the book of Corinthians that continued to practice their idolatry and continued to practice their immorality and continued to live a life so loose. And Paul says, do you not understand that those who practice those things have no inheritance in the kingdom of God? And such were some of you, but you've been cleansed. So he's telling them, stop acting like your former self. You've been cleansed from that lifestyle. Why are you emulating it? You've been brought out of that lifestyle. Why do you keep living it? Why do you keep embracing it? This is the error. This is where the error is. And this is where Christians are stuck in the middle. And we think, oh, God doesn't want me to have it, or God doesn't this, or God doesn't love me, or this. No, the problem, the first problem is, is that you don't do what you're told. That's the first problem. It's called sanctification. What happens is the voice of this loving father becomes the voice of a directing king. And most Christians can never graduate from the koozie, koozie, coos of the voice of a father into the voice of a directing king. Jesus is a king. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And God has more for you than you can ever possibly imagine. He wants nothing from you. He wants everything for you. But he can't bring it into your life because you won't listen. Just a thought. This is where we're stuck in this level of sanctification. We're stuck. Christians are stuck in this generation between born again and being sanctified. And the church does not teach them how to be sanctified. God's your big buddy. He's for you. He's not against you. 100% agreeable. But if I can, God is not going to bless your mess. He's not. He's not. I get people that come to me, Christians that will come to me, and there's no condemnation. Everybody say it with me. There's no condemnation. So the, so the only sin that condemns you is the rejection of Jesus Christ. This is what the scripture says. It is the sin leading unto death. Every other sin causes you to miss your destiny. So you want to miss your destiny, go right ahead, because that's what your sinful choices are going to cause you to do. When you come to Christ, you're not condemned. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, right? So we have these, we have these, these, these dichotomies in the church. We become born again, the sin of offense of rejecting Christ. Now he's Lord, but I have not learned to follow him, right? And so what ends up happening is, even though you're a Christian, your life remains dysfunctional because you've not understood the process of sanctification. And there's a lot of reasons why right? You're broken, you're dysfunctional, you're all these other things, but you, but you have to be able to at least do the basic things. And we cannot become what we're supposed to be until that. People come to me and they're living with their boyfriends and they want to, come on, and they want, me to, they want me to tell them something wise and noble because their relationship isn't working. 
first thing I do, right? There's no condemnation. You live with your boyfriend. You live with your girlfriend. Go right ahead. But I'm going to tell you right now, though there's no condemnation there, there will be no blessing. The Lord will not favor that relationship because it is outside of his covenant, Christian. He favors his covenant. You can't say, this is what I want to do. Bless it, Jesus. It doesn't work like that. Grace is in the eye of the Lord. Grace is spiritual power moving in love. So grace, or the spiritual power that moves in love, is what God's eye is on. And I'm telling you right now, he's not on that. I've seen so many people come to me, and the first thing I want to ask him, I'm like, you Christian? I always talk to the dude first. Yeah. I ask him, are you born again? Christ is Lord? I'm like, why are you living with her? Oh, well, you probably got I've heard every excuse in the book. I'm like, if you like it, put a ring on it, bro. If not, you know, hit the road, Jack. But I need him, but I want him. That's what I get from the girl. I'm like, you, you, I, I, what I tell them is, is this is an inevitability. I said, he's living with you. He probably dated you for a year. Then he moved in with you. There's another two years. So now you're three years in. Now what he's going to do is he's going to give you a ring, and that's going to buy him another two years. And now you're going to be five years in, and that dude's going to bail. And you're five years vested in a relationship that he has no intention to commit to. Just a thought. And now it's going to take you two years to recover from the frappe of your heart that you just experienced. And so this relationship that you're abiding in is costing you seven years. And you're offended that I tell you God's not in it? I'm helping you. I'm going to save you almost three quarters of a decade. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. I've had a lot of people, too, that get married when that happens. And I talk to them about it. And I'm like, look, this isn't God's will. And they're like, we want to make it right. Then let's make it right. I mean, you've been with her for two years. You got a kid with her. What, what, what are you waiting for, dude? What, what are you waiting for? Right? You waiting for a better offer? You want another man to raise your kid? I don't think so. So what are you waiting on? I mean, this is, this is what we, where we are in our modern culture. Unthinkable 30 years ago. Unthinkable. That's unthinkable. But yet we're here. Right? That's just one thing. And we wonder, where's the power? People get married and all of a sudden they're like, wow, our marriage got blessed. I can't believe how much blessing there is in our marriage. Of course there is. It doesn't make it perfect, but it makes it blessed. You want the blessing of Jesus. That's all I got to tell you. You want that blessing. <laughs> tell people, if Jesus is given bread, eat. If he's given wine, drink. But whatever Jesus has given, you want it. Anything he's given is good. We have to learn to be sanctified, set apart. We get stuck in the middle. Then we have the other side of that coin, which is the religiously sanctified. Holy, religiously sanctified. We're religiously sanctified. Religiously sanctified. Don't smoke, drink, or chew or hang out with those that do and want to point the fingers at everybody else around them. They feel like it's their mandate to tell everybody what's wrong in everybody else's lives because they're religiously sanctified. Right? There's no such thing as holiness without the Holy Spirit. I've met a ton of religiously sanctified Christians that do nothing. They do nothing with their faith. Therefore, they are good for nothing. Or what they think they do with their faith is they criticize those that are doing. Or they criticize or they feel that their job is to look inwardly within the church and to talk about all of the sinfulness going on within the church. Sin's there. Wake up. Sin's there. They're like, you know, there's sin in the church. I'm like, yeah, there's sin in the church. Of course there's sin in the church. There's sin with you too, dude. Are you holy and sanctified? I don't think so. 
Now, without the Holy Spirit, we're all on a journey. But we're called to live towards this calling of Christ. You cannot get to the point that God truly wants you to be, which is elevation, which is the pursuit of who and what you are put on this planet to be. You are not getting there without that middle ground process. Until you learn sanctification. Everybody say, he said sanctification. He didn't say perfection. You understand? Say this. This kingdom. Now, here's, do you want to people, when people criticize me? I get criticized on this more than any other statement I make. But I'm going to say it again. So I'm going to look right in the camera. <laughs> I get, you know, I mean, I, normally I get pushback. The religiously sanctified like to criticize me on this. So this is going to be good. Right? Say this. It's about direction. It's not about perfection. Yeah. Well, we're called to be holy. I mean, I, I, used, I used to get blowtorched when I would say that. Now I'm like, let me say that again. It's about direction. It's not about perfection. You fall down, do you get up and keep going? It's about direction. Nobody's perfect. You're all going to blow it. That's why we have grace. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. Right? The problem isn't, the problem isn't perfection. The problem is the waywardness of our heart. Our heart has to align with what he wants. Jesus will deal with your imperfections as long as he has your heart set in the right direction. Do you understand that? The issue, the issue isn't all management and all the externals. It's a heart to do what God wants. When you have the heart to do what God wants, he'll help you with the rest. He'll bring everything else to pass, right? So that's what you, get. you don't have to worry about making sure you do everything right to the Lord. He's not looking for that. He's looking for the heart. Do you have a heart to do my will, Kevin? Okay, follow me. I screwed up, Lord. This is like the 15th time I screwed up on the, on, on the same thing. He's going to say, okay, have we learned anything? Yes. Okay, so we're going to move forward now. That's, all, that's what Jesus does. He doesn't condemn you in your mistakes. Woman, where are your accusers? Do any accuse you? Then neither do I. Then get up and go another way. Get up and go again and go a different way. This is the Lord's heart for you. He's not against you. He's for you. But he cannot work for you unless you're in alignment with him. He cannot work in a relationship that is not put under his covering. Even though he desperately wants to work in that relationship, he cannot. He cannot violate his own standards. He wants to work in your finances. He wants to work in your career. He wants to work in your life more than you will ever know. But he cannot do it without that opportunity that you give him. This morning, he wants to speak into your life. Some of you, it's like I've been, I've been churching all year, and God, this is the first time God's had an opportunity to actually share anything with you. And God's speaking to you. You're like, wow, God's speaking to me. Yeah, because this is one of the opportunities that he has to speak to his people. When we pray, he speaks to us. When we worship, he'll speak to us. When we come to an assembly, he'll speak to us. He doesn't speak at you. Say it with me. Jesus doesn't speak at me. He doesn't speak down to me. He speaks to you. This is how we're supposed to, this is, this is the idea. The message is unto you, not at you or down to you, but underneath you. If you really want to get a posture, it's to get beneath you and push you higher. That's the idea. That's how the Lord wants to, work, wants to move. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, you can have a fresh start. You say, my life is chaos. Yeah, say this, the Holy Spirit, he specializes in chaos. It's true. Genesis 1-2, the earth was without form and void. That's where the word chaos comes in in the Greek. 
So when God was creating the world, there was no, he brings together all of these elements and nothing looks like it makes any sense. It says darkness was over the face of the deep. You may feel like my life is chaotic and I can't see my way forward. Good news. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the water. God is hovering over your life, right? And just like the Father gave permission for the Holy Spirit to activate, give him permission in your life. Lord, I'm in the dark. Make something out of my chaos. Do something with me. The Holy Spirit is the professional in chaos, right? And your Heavenly Father is in the restoration business. What do you got to lose, right? It's what he does. Jesus is a professional restorer. He doesn't even restore it. He makes it better. Yeah. He looks at all the broken pieces and is like, ah, we don't need that. Hey, bring me that upgrade over here. Why are we working with steel? Bring me the titanium. We're going to put a titanium upgrade in here. Jesus, when he puts you back together and he's working on you, he's always seeking to upgrade you, restore you. He's not looking to put you together with tape. He wants to build you stronger and stronger and stronger. It's how much he loves you. There's nobody like him. Wonderful, beautiful. What is it? Glorious, matchless in every way. We just sang it. That's who he is. This is truly who he is. So God wants to change you. So what's required? You want to change? Anybody here want to change? Yes, do you want to change? Say this. Everything that is living is growing. If I'm not growing, I probably am not living. Right? Everything that lives grows. Everything that lives changes if it's alive it's growing right i just moved into a new house thank god 15 years since i've owned the house jesus provided in the middle of covid miracle power faith jesus comes through like no other so it's a little bit like wild kingdom the house is you know we're doing all yes yeah, it's nuts so my grandson comes over and so it's like wild kingdom wild kingdom right so we got bugs and you know, snake skins hanging off the thing, and there's plants and everything. And so we're kind of like a little bit back to nature. And something even with the snake skin, that snake's alive. So there's a big snake skin hanging from the tree. And so my grandson's like, wow, look at that, you know. And then there's this huge beetle with the big clamper things, you know, all this kind of stuff. But everything that is alive is growing. Everything that is alive is growing. We had somebody donate a whole bunch of plants to us. It's just amazing stories of Jesus. This is crazy. I don't even have time. This would take me half an hour to talk the testimony. But one of the things is those, pot, those plants in those pots have such a de desire to grow that they're literally bursting out of the pots. There was a nursery down the street going out of business. Guy gives us a whole bunch of plants. He's like, just bring a truck and take what you want. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. Gave us a whole bunch of plants, man. And some of these plants were just neglected. They were locked, uh, left in a back. And my wife, of course, Sherry's scouring all of the property because Sherry loves plants. And she's like, you know, you got frangipani back there. The guy goes, I do? And he goes and gets a bulldozer and blows down the, the field that, you know, it's, it was all overgrown. The guy, you know, but anyway, the guy, the guy honored us greatly and gave us a bunch of plants. But one of the things I noticed is that these plants were so hungry to grow that they were bursting they were trying to push against every limitation that they had been set in. God does not want to put you in a limiting environment. And if he does, he only does it for a season. His desire is to put you in an, in an environment to grow. Talking to Mickey and I'm asking him about these trees. I said, what do I do with these trees? He's like, well, the first thing, pastors, you got to get them in the ground. He's like, you really want them to grow? Get them in the ground. Put them in an environment <laughs> where they can really, really grow. It's the same with you. You want to grow, you want to change, God wants you to do the same. 
What, how, what's required? How do I get this fresh start? What are things that, that, these are qualities, before we do a little bit of application, these are qualities that you have to possess if you're going to change and grow, or you're going to stay the same. I'm just going to tell you, nobody changes without these qualities, and these aren't all of them, but these are some of them. The first thing is you have to have a willingness to change. Change is a four-letter word to a lot of people. They don't like it. The bridge from where you are to where you need to be is called change. You have to cross the bridge of change. If you want what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. It's that simple. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you've already getting. You've got to make a change. You have to have a, want, a desire to change. The only person that leaves you the same is you. Jesus, say it with me, Jesus is not leaving me the same. Mm-mm. Every disciple that wanted to get out of the boat, Jesus would have told them to come, but only one wanted to get out of the boat. The other 11 were just cool, cool. You know, Peter's like, hey, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. He's like, right this way. The only one who limits you is you. The Lord is not limiting you. The only one who makes you stay the same is you. Just that, just that simple. Look at the wrestling match between Jacob and the angel. The angel was Jesus, and Jesus is wrestling with him. And the Lord is trying to wrestle against Jacob's will in that story. It's a battle of wills. The Lord is trying to get Jacob on his agenda, and Jacob is like, I'm not doing what you say. And the Lord tarried with him and just said, okay, and he left. And Jacob said, I will not let you go. He grabbed him. He said, unless you bless me. And Jesus blessed him by changing his name. By changing his name, he changes his nature, right? He became prince of God. That's what he became. And what the point was is that Jacob realized that the worst thing that could happen in my life is for me to be left the same. Do you understand that? The worst thing that can happen to you as a Christian is that you not transform into what God died for you to become. To settle for average when you're called to exceptional. Why would you want to settle for average when you're called to exceptional? The worst thing is when God is presenting something to you and he's summoning you to a greater life is for you to stay the same. That's the worst thing. And Jacob's problem was he didn't really know who he was. And so Jesus is like, you cannot change, Jacob, because you do not see yourself as I see you. You're not a deceiver. You're a prince. And that's part of the process is seeing ourselves as God sees us. The only one who leaves you the same as you. You have to have a willingness to change. Will, everybody has a willingness to change. Say it with me. Everybody, everybody wants to change, but not everybody will do whatever it takes. This is what it is. Oh, I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. But you won't do what it takes. Oh, I didn't think it was going to be that. Oh, no, God, no. Nobody told me I had to show up for church every Sunday. Oh, no, God, no. I need, but I want to change, Pastor. Learn your Bible. Oh, God, no. I got to go to Bible school to learn, you know, you want, you know, people like push back against everything. I want Jesus to financially bless me, begin to tithe, give tithes and offerings. Oh, I didn't know it was going to be that. Well, you're going to stay the same. All right? It's just the way it is. We all want it, but we want it on our terms, not his terms. It doesn't work on your terms. It works on his. Jesus isn't about your agenda. He's about getting you on his agenda. Right? We think Jesus is the bellhop. Ding, 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 ding. I need it, Jesus. I want a ham and Swiss. Ding, 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 ding. Cave con leche. <laughs> Only in Miami do we understand cafe con leche. <laughs> I 
And we think it's like that. He's not like that. He's not like that. He's not your bellhop. We think he's just waiting for us. To, he's waiting to serve us. You know, he's got a process. He said, come with me. We follow him. We go on a journey. We follow him. And when it happens, things open. Wanting to change is not enough, but it begins there. Do you want to change? And the second question is, is are you willing to do whatever it takes? That's the second thing. A willingness. Then it said, here's the third thing. This one hurts. Everybody say, ouch. This is going to hurt, right? There's a willingness to commit more time than you think is necessary. Mm-hmm. You have to have a willingness to commit to this process over a length of time more longer than you thought, think is necessary. Did Jesus really need six days to build the earth? I don't think so. He could have did it in one. What people don't understand is he created time before he created anything else. So he literally put himself in a limitation as he's creating. He didn't even need time. He could have just said, whoop, there it is, and it would have been there. This is who he is. He's the everlasting God. But God works through process, and God works through transformational seasons. And so what is required? You have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. If you love your mother, father, sister, brother, uncle, dog, cat more than me, you're not worthy of me. Hence the word worthy, Christian. Worthy, which means you do not know who I am. If you knew who I was, you would understand the honor that I'm paying you by inviting you to follow me. But because you don't understand who I am, you cannot perceive the honor that I'm granting you by inviting you to follow me. It's true. We don't know who he is. We're not worthy of him because we don't understand him. We got to know who he is. He's the God creator. He's El Shaddai. He's Elohim. He's the most wonderful counselor. He's the one who created you on purpose with a purpose and has a destiny and put you on this planet for a reason that you will never manifest or even begin to understand until you understand him. It's true. Amen. Come on. High five. Willingness to do whatever it takes. Willingness to commit more time than is necessary. <laughs> an ability to say it with me. And also an ability to move under pain. Here's one of my favorite words, right? This is one of my favorite words. I love this word. I'm going to interpret it for you, okay? I'm going to give you the Christian church culture interpretation of this word. I'm going to give you the kingdom culture and the actual Greek interpretation of this word. Let patience have its perfect work. We just need to be patient. We just need to be patient. Patient. So Christianity, when it comes to patience, we kind of do Zen Buddhism, you know, we get in a lotus position. Oh, I'm just patiently waiting on God. Patience. And we think that this word patience means do nothing. Patient. Patience means do nothing. It's not what the Greek says. It says let patience have its perfect work. It's a Greek word. You guys want to speak Greek this morning? Come on, I'm going to help you. Say hypo. hypo. Meno. It means moving under pain. The word for patience means move under pain. Let the movement under pain have its perfect work. Oh, that changes everything, doesn't it? Where do we get patience from the word hypomeno? M movement under duress. Movement under pressure. Right? Well, I, you know, God said, look, I told you. I know it's difficult. Move anyway. Move under pain. And if you can move under pain, that work will change you. You'll become more courageous. You'll become more indifferent about what's happening to you. And you'll see the victory on the other side. 
and you'll be stronger from it. Hypomeno. You have to have the ability to move under pain. If you can't take a punch, you're not going anywhere. Come on. Mike Tyson said everybody has a life plan until life punches them in the face. In business school, they'll say this. No business plan survives first contact with the market. I don't care how great your business plan is, it will not survive first contact with the market. It will have to be shifted and changed because the, the market does not alter itself to your business plan. Your business plan must alter itself to the market. Everybody has a plan until life punches them in the face. If you can't take a punch, you're not going far because none of us are getting a clean run at this. The devil's gonna punch you in the face. It's not God stopping you, it's the devil gonna challenge you. And if you can't move under pain, you're gonna have a very difficult time. You have to move under pain. You have to believe God's promises in spite of the duress that you're under. Right? Right? Marriages fail. And you know why? Because somebody says, it hurts, it hurts. Of course it hurts. Marriage hurts, man. It's gotten real quiet in here. Marriage hurts. She hurts me, I hurt her. I love her, she loves me, but we hurt each other. But we keep moving together in spite of the pain. And you know what happens? The movement under pain fosters a relationship that is strong and that is bonded and that is not superficial. It's not me-centered, right? It hurts, oh, it hurts. Wake up, Christian. Rise up, Christian. Who told you it was easy? He never told you it'd be easy. He promised you victory. He didn't promise you ease. You don't understand that. He promised you, say it with me, he promised me victory. He didn't promise me a lack of trouble. This is that which overcomes the world, our faith. Right? In this world, you will have trouble. He never promised you a life that didn't have a battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. He never promised you you wouldn't wrestle. He never promised you the devil's not wouldn't grab you where you don't want to be grabbed. That's what wrestling's all about. One of the ways you win in wrestling is you grab your opponent where they don't want to be grabbed. So long as the referee doesn't see it, you're good. Right? He never promised you that was not going to happen. But he promised you you would have victory. And I'm not going to get through all of this, but I'm going to do my best. Here's my thing. Are you willing to move under pain? Are you willing to change? Do you have a willingness to do whatever it takes? Are you willing to commit more time than you think is necessary? Are you? And can you take a punch? Can you get punched in the face? Can you get offended? Can you get hurt? And can you get back up and keep going? Or are you common? Are you exceptional or are you common? Because the common roll over and play dead. The exceptional rise. Mark the righteous, for though they, not, though they, they fall seven times, yet they rise. Right? That's what we're called to do. Take a punch. Get up and keep going. And then start punching back. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? Say it with me. Is it a whim or is it a want? Is it a dream or is it a desire? There is a difference. Most people's wants are nothing more than whims. Whim, whim, yeah, whim, whim. A want is I want that and I'm driven with intention and I will align my life to achieve what is set in front of me. That's a want. 
A whim is where we get the word whimsical. 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 God wants his people believing him for big things. God wants his people believing him for nations. God wants him people believing him for the kingdom to come into our culture, for their lives to bring forth his kingdom. God wants believing Christians, giant slayers. He doesn't want whimsical. Whimsical. He wants those who have a want. It's the same thing with the dream. Ready? Dreams are mythical. I love dreams. But when a dream begins to come forth, all of a sudden I become accountable to that dream. A dream is different than a desire. A desire is something you carry. It's the idea of being pregnant. And all the women with children are going to understand this one really good. There's something growing inside of you, and you don't exactly know what it is. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? What's going on here? I don't know. All these changes are going on in you, and you're carrying something. You're har- that's a desire. It's where we get the word desire, to be sired into. God has put something in you, and you can't get away from it. It's not in your head. It's not something you want. It's in you. It's in you. You don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to give birth to it, but yet it's in you. That's a desire. This is what, it, this is what we're called to do. We're called to pursue what God has put into us. We're called to figure it out. And God will help you, and he will bring birth to what, he, what God puts in you, he intends to bring, to bring to pass. Right? He wants to work with you to bring, to bring this stuff to pass. This is how we have a fresh start. We have to stop living from whim and start finding out, what what do I want, Lord? Not only what do I want, but what do you want? We say, well, I just want whatever Jesus wants. You know what Jesus wants? He wants to know what you want. I'm serious. What do you seek? He asked those disciples. They were following him around, and he turned right around. He said, what do you want? With With the blind man, Bartimaeus, what do you want? The woman at the pool of Bethesda, what do you want? It's obvious. The guy's blind. What do you think he wants? Right? The guy that's lying at the healing pool. What do you think he wants? Jesus doesn't work off obvious. He wants to know, what do you want? Do you just want to say hello to me? Do you want my autograph or something? I mean, do you just, what, what do you want? Do you want a, do you want a selfie? I mean, what, what, do you, what do you want? What do you want? We can never get what we want because we don't know what we want. I want what God wants. No, what do you want? God takes what you want and you present what you want to him and he begins to refine those wants. He begins to shape those wants, right? And he begins to draw your wants onto his wants and your wants and his wants come to pass and boom, we have something happening now. What do you want, Christian? What do you want? People say, then the next question is, why do you want it? I want to be a successful businessman. I hear this one all the time. Miami's full of entrepreneurs. Boom, I love entrepreneurs. I want to be, you want that success? And I say, why do you want it? Well, because I just don't want to have to pay bills anymore. Well, none of us want to have to pay bills, but why, why do you want that? What is the driving desire behind what you want? Why do you want that? And does that driving desire have a kingdom focus to it? Because God will align himself with anything that has a kingdom focus to it. Why do you want, what do you want? I want a husband. And so help you out, ladies. Take notes on this one, right? I want to be married. Why? So I'm not alone. Wrong answer. Heaven isn't hearing that. I hate to tell you that. 
Well, God doesn't love me. No, he loves you. He sees you alone, but he's not interested in that. He wants something a little higher. I want a marriage so that my husband and I can, ra- can potentially raise godly children. I want a marriage so that my husband and I can become an apostolic team and that we can serve Jesus together. No matter whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is, whether you're in business, whether you're in the marketplace, or whether you're in ministry, no matter whatever it is you're doing, you're saying, I want my marriage to reflect your goodness, Lord, to reflect your grace, and that together we're an apostolic team bringing your purposes into the earth. Whack, you got his attention. You got his attention because now you know what you want. And now what you want aligns with what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants that. You understand that? When your wants come into an understanding of what he wants, that's when the perfect storm happens. That's when the lane begins to open. Just a thought. All right, I got to close because we got to do communion. What do you want? That's the question. You guys should take that home and th- try to answer that. Am I, li- am I pursuing whims? You should write that down. Or am I pursuing wants? And if I'm pursuing whims, then what is it that I really want? Do I have dreams or do I have a desire? Well, everybody's got a dream, right? Watch American Idol back in the day. Everybody's got a dream. It's my dream to win American Idol, but you can't sing, dude. Yeah? <laughs> but it's my dream. So what? <laughs> What's your dream? Do I, are you living by dreams or is it desire? Des- dreams are different than desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you what? The desire of your heart. He will sire into you. That's what that means. God will impregnate you. That's what he's saying. If you will delight yourself in him and honor him and allow him to put into you what he wants to put into you, what he puts in you, he'll bring forth. He'll bring forth. That's the issue. Lord, give me the desire of my heart. I don't know what I want. What do you want from me? What do, what do I want? And, and he'll, he, it's a process, guys. He'll work it through. He'll work it through. You work it through. But what God will marry himself to is what he puts in you. He will obligate himself to what he puts in you. That's, that's the way it is. So you have to ask yourself, am I living by whims or am I living by wants? Am I living by dreams or am I living by desires? Which one am I? You have to ask the Lord, what is it that you, to bring the change? Where do you need to change? So let's just take basic stuff here, and I'm going to close, and we're going to do communion. This is the closing point. I have more, but I always have more. (laughs) I'm on a timer. I have five minutes left on my timer, which means I have to close in five minutes, and I'm going to do it, Shell. It's going to (laughs) happen. Five minutes and 24 seconds, actually. James 4 says you don't have what you would desire because you don't ask for it. Do you know what you want? Be specific. Let's talk about fresh start, okay? Where are you frustrated? Let me help you with this one. Say it with me. My frustration is a tool, an instrument to indicate the need for change. Are you frustrated with your children? Are you frustrated with your job? Are you frustrated with your marriage? Are you frustrated with what what area of your life are you frustrated with? Frustration is an instrument to point you at something that needs to change, right? There needs to be changes there. That's what frustration is. Frustration, we don't feel frustrations merely to make us angry, right? Or to make us distant. We make frustration, we experience frustration in order to indicate areas that need to change. People are frustrated in your marriage. Why are you frustrated in your marriage? You know, there's a communication issue, whatever it may be. You're frustrated with your job and your career. 
what are you frustrated about? I feel like I can, you know, whatever, whatever those frustrations are. I don't have time to pull them apart, but you're frustrated with your time and your schedule. This is an easy one. We can do that one. That doesn't take too much time. So say it with me. It's easier to fill my schedule than it is to fulfill my schedule. <laughs> right? You're frustrated with your schedule and your time? Start saying no. Right? Your priorities. What specific part of your life do you want a fresh start? So let me give you some questions. We'll go back over the questions because I want you to change, right? Say it with me. Where there is no challenge, there is no change. Ask yourself, am I, do, I, do I live by whims? Do I live by wants? Ask myself, do I, am I following a dream or am I following a desire? Where's, where's the source of my frustration? What am I feeling frustrated at, right? Begin to mine and understand where this frustration is coming from. If you can mine and understand where this frustration is coming from, then and only then you can begin to make the steps to change. Most people don't know where their frustration is coming from. We ask God to fix something, and he's like, well, what do you want me to fix? Jesus fixes specifics. He doesn't fix generalities. Well, fix my family. Well, what specific part of your family would you like me to fix? Isn't it obvious? We just covered that. No, it's not obvious. He doesn't like that. He doesn't work like that. Amen? And I'm going to go right here because this is a hopeful verse. Some of you, you feel like life is shaking you down and you don't feel like there's any opportunity for you to have a fresh start. Well, there is. God is speaking to his people in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. And he says, the mountains shake, the hills crumble, but my unfailing love for you will never be shaken. And I was like, everything around you may fall apart, but my love for you is still there. I am still seeking your highest good. And when God is speaking to these people, their choices have put them in this compromised position. God did not put them in this position. They put themselves there. And they're wondering, does God still love me? Is God still for me? And the Lord's like, listen, if your world falls apart, that doesn't mean my love for you is I take back my love for you. I still love you. My promises of peace towards you will never change. You may have made stupid choices. You may have never done anything beyond that. And you've just created all this stuff in your life and all these things are happening. But the Lord says that his love for you will not be shaken. And he makes a promise of peace, which is to flourish over you, will not be changed. And I will have compassion on you, he says. And then he speaks over his people and he says, Jerusalem, you are a suffering, storm-ravaged city and you need comfort. Anybody feel like that sometimes? Like life is like a storm and you just feel like ravaged, overwhelmed, right? Maybe it's not destruction. Maybe you're ravaged by just so many things to do. You don't know what right's left or left's right. You don't know which way to go. He says, you are a storm-ravaged city and you need comfort. And the Lord says, I will rebuild you. And I will rebuild you with priceless jewels. See, he upgrades. I will reset your foundations with sapphires. So no matter what's happened in your life, no matter where you are, good, bad, or ugly, there's always room to grow and there's always room to change. And God wants to take you from salvation through sanctification and unto elevation. He wants you to understand whims he wants you to understand wants. He wants you to understand dreams. He wants you to understand desires. And his intention is to do this for you and to do it with you. Do you believe that? Amen? I'm going to pray real quick, and I'm going to bless you guys, and we're going to take communion here, but I'll just bless you, and we'll just end the stream. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I hate being out of time, but nonetheless. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. 
and may he give you peace, and may you forever live within his favor, in Jesus' name, amen. God loves you, we love you, amen. So we're gonna take communion. So Jody's gonna play, and when Jody plays, if you all would just come to make your way up and around and take the communion element, the prepackaged communion element, and bring it back to your chair with you, we'll take it together.
She's broken, just like the majority of us all. You know, different times, different seasons. People, we, you know, we, we have, we're broken, we have children, and we bring our brokenness to the family. Happy day. That's why we need Jesus. Your mom needs grace. Speak kindness to her, speak respect, and be forgiving. Most of you that still have relationships with broken mothers and hurtful mothers, and I know it's Mother's Day. We don't want to talk about broken mothers. Do you know how many people have broken relationships with their mothers? Do you have any idea? More than 50%, I can tell you that, right? We celebrate the Holoquin, Hallmark, mom, beautiful mom, but a lot of people have broken relationships with their parents, hurtful relationships with their parents, bitter relationships with their parents. That's the truth. That's the reality. So what do you do in that respect? Be gracious. Be forgiving, right? So if you still have a relationship with her, the chances are if you have a, your mom offends you all the time and you're always locking horns, chances are it's going to happen again. So just prepare yourself for that and forgive, right? That's what the word forgiving means. Put forgiveness in front of you. Forgive her. Release her. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. We have a prayer team available as well. Let me ask you this. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him. The Bible says we all have a problem. We have a sin problem. Every one of us is born sinful. It's not about the outward things that we do. It's, born, it's the nature that we're born with. And because of that sin nature, we're born separated from Jesus. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the goodness of God. The wages or the penalty or the receptivity of what that sin does is its eternal death. Jesus doesn't want us to be separated from him, so he came and he gave himself. And the scripture says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says if you will believe in your heart that this is true, not your head, if you will believe in your heart that this is true and you will confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved. All right? So it's a belief in the heart and a confession with your mouth. Say that sounds pretty simple. It is pretty simple. A child could do it. The issue is getting past your head and opening your heart and allowing yourself to say the words because it requires your humility. It requires you to lower yourself and confess him as Lord and you are not. So if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. If you're watching us by streaming, you've never given your life to Jesus. It would be my honor to pray with you this 40-second prayer that is life-transforming and eternity-changing. We're going to pray it together. All you got to do is pray with us, open your heart, and let Jesus do what Jesus do. And just say this with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior, and I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. So I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. We have a prayer team. Yeah, come on. You have any questions? I'm here. We have a prayer team available. And I want to bless you guys at home. And we're going to close the service and turn around. We have portraits in the back for all y'all. My wife's in that room right there. So if you want to get a family photo, it's going to be in there. So uh, you guys can do that. Just chill out. I think there's going to be a sign-up most likely, and you just have to hang out, and, uh, but it will happen. And so let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way, and may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week.
Report.